Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting with Bruce Kelly. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Schwab Asset Management. And we are talking today with Bruce Levine, Chief Executive of Nightshares, which is a, they've got a, some interesting strategies there with mutual, I'm sorry, ETFs that generally invest during the night or when the market is closed and sit idle when the market is open. So while we're sleeping, they're investing, Jeff? Is that what you're saying? Well, yes. Actually, whenever the... <laughs> Whenever the market is closed, they're in the market. So it's a it's a it's a cool concept. It's fun, and uh, it, I love the name. It has a it has a short history, but uh, it it looks uh, fruitful so far. So Bruce Levine, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, give us the kind of the backstory on this. I know this is a is is not a it, what you guys started in 2021, something like that. Uh, we launched the first funds actually in mid twenty two. Um, you know, there was a comment that that Bruce made about um, you know this being kind of a new thing, or maybe you said it a new thing. But actually, the research behind it is goes back quite a while. So we um, we tested back twenty twenty five years, and we found a lot of academics who went back further than that into the mid nineties. And what we were both finding was. Historically, the night session was outperforming the daytime session, um, certainly on a risk-adjusted basis, but sometimes in absolute uh, sense as well. And, you know, it was a very persistent and consistent thing. And, you know, that's why we decided to launch Nightshares, and I'm glad you love the name. Well, talk, tell us how this works. How, why is it, uh, why do you get better performance by being out of the stock market, out of the market during the day? Yeah. So remember, you know, um, you know, everyone else is invested. You know, if you're buying holds, you're in both the day and the night. And it turns out these these two sessions are really different from each other. And the nighttime session tends to be, you know, somewhat counterintuitively a low volatility session, and often you get much of the return of markets there. And the daytime seems to be this highly volatile session, which really shouldn't surprise people. Um, and you, you get extremes, um, sometimes big up, sometimes big down. Uh, on balance, you don't get as much return. Now, so, okay, so why does it happen? Um, you know, from an investor behavior standpoint, you know, you have to ask yourself, who's trading at night versus the day? At night, there's no retail traders. There's a few institutional traders, but not many. Uh, there's no meaningful algorithmic trading going on. Uh, and so, you know, all of that stuff seems to detract from performance and add to volatility. And so really we're, you know, we're not trading overnight. We're, we're a buy and hold overnight. And that seems to be a good place to be. Now, I know you've got back-tested performance, but what about the actual performance? Your first fund was launched in June of 2022. I think the ticker symbol is MSPL. Is that correct? That one was launched in October. The first two were NSPY, so sort of the night fighter, uh, and NIWM. They launched June 28th, and they have trailed since they launched. Um, what we've seen pattern-wise is the first 45 days after we launched, from June 30th to August 15th of last year, there was a big up move in the market in 45 days, like 13%, and most of that occurred during the day. And so if you were out during the day, you, you trailed in performance. 
Um, we then saw in the fourth quarter, we made a lot of it back. And then this year has been a bit of a mixed picture, um, but we are, you know, same thing happened early in the year when the market started to run. A lot of it came during the day. So, um, you know, there, there are times when the market is running where the day pays off. But in, in the long-term space, the day has not been a great place to be. So that's kind of the way to think about it. Why, is, why does this work at all? And what kind of a cycle would be best for, for this strategy? Would it be a, yeah. a, a kind of a calm, smooth market or, or maybe a bear market? Or uh, To your first question about why, in addition to this sort of investor behavior component, you know, there seems to be this kind of institutional de-risking that happens at night where um, institutions want their traders to go home flat. They want to avoid marking things to market overnight, capital charges, interest charges, a lot of frictions when you hold overnight. There's also an information flow um, element to this, which is when the markets are closed, you get earnings announcements, you get M&A announcements typically, and those on balance um, are positive, and so you have to be invested to catch those. So those are just a couple things. Um, in terms of the environment, we, we've studied this, and we, we did a, a, a look back 20 years about uh, when was it better to buy and hold, when, when was it better to be in, in a night share or, or you know, just invested at night. Um, and what we found was in down markets and modestly up markets, uh, you would be better off in, in the night share. And, and we did a regression line, and it turned out if you thought the market was going to be you know, up 5.9% or less, better off in a nightshare. But if you thought the market was going to run hotter than that, um, that you would want some daytime exposure. Uh, we did the same thing in small caps and found uh, the cutoff point instead of 5.9% was much higher, it was around 15%. So that was interesting. Um, so the third fund we launched was designed kind of to address that, which is um, it's NSPL, and that one does have 100% exposure in the daytime, but then 150% at night. So it leans into the night, but it doesn't give up the day. And specifically, it was designed to address the fact that the day does sometimes run, number one. Um, and number two, you know, uh, many advisors, um, you know, are very cognizant of tracking risk to their benchmark, and you'll have less tracking ri risk if you're in invested during the day. Okay, what you just said there leans into the night but doesn't give up the day. I got to tell you, that sounds like a Lionel Richie song, you know, <laughs> just as a as a side note there. Or an old blues song, right? Yeah. <laughs> or something. Something. Leans into yeah. the night. Dylan leans into the night. Yeah. I mean, any, uh, I mean, cool stuff. How come, Bruce, how come this is, you know, this is such a, there's back-tested data on this. How come it's a, a strategy that took till now? to come out? It's a great question. So, you know, I can only give my own sense of it, which is I've been pretty close to the, the financial world for, you know, 25 years. I ran product development at Pictures and, and, and Wisdom Tree and, you know, was involved in many, many product launches. I had never seen the research myself. That's number one. Number two is, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. And, you know, one of the challenges was always, okay, we think there's something there, but can you capture it um, after transaction costs? And, you know, we designed um, these funds to uh, transact in highly liquid futures so that transaction cost was minimized. And so 
we don't think that you know that itself will keep us from capturing it. It just has been um, of late, you know, working all that well. Well, that's what I did want to ask you about. This seems like it would it would be kind of heavy on the transaction cost side because you got to sell every uh, morning and buy every night, right? That's right. We we the two of the funds do it a hundred percent of the portfolio, and then the the one does it for fifty percent of the portfolio. Yeah. Um, so what we're finding is, you know, uh, that uh, you know it's very inexpensive to trade futures. Uh, it's a couple dollars per contract, and we are um, not particularly large yet, so we're not moving the market at all. So we're not finding it to be a, a huge deal for us uh, in large caps. In small caps, it's a little more visible, um, which you would expect. But it, but again, um, you know, we think we've we've talked to a lot of the academics. We've done our own research, and we think there's something there to be captured even after T cost. Bruce Kelly, any uh, any questions for? Well, I, yeah, I always like to say good day, Bruce. To good day, hello, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love the name Nightshares. Makes me think of like Marvel movies or Marvel superheroes or something. Like I know that. it's yeah. something like that. I it gets shares. you thinking. And don't mean to denigrate the product, of course. Uh, Bruce, I was just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about your experience. You know, I'm looking at your LinkedIn resume here, Wisdom Tree, 15 years. They're a, a, big, a big company, uh, 55 Capital, head of iShares Europe, um, even a stint at Devon Company. Um, so just kind of a very interesting background, obviously well-steeped in ETFs and financial advisors. Yeah, yeah, it's been a an interesting you know career for me. Um, I was there when ETFs were starting out um, and not widely understood, and you know we spent a lot of time educating about what these structures were, and now to see that it's sort of the default structure for you know any strategy that people want to bring to market is interesting. What was the aha moment for financial advisors when the light went on over their heads, the light bulb went on? And they said, oh, wow, I can construct a very similar, if not the same portfolio at, you know, X basis points less cost. Because <laughs> that's what ETFs did, right? They, they helped bring down the cost of asset management so significantly. You know, it was, it's interesting. In, in the late 90s and early 2000s, there were so many problems that just kept coming to light on mutual funds. Um, well, the overnight trading scandal. Right? The overnight trading was one that you you had what they called a free look back that you could, you know, see what had happened in Japan, um, or you could get out of your Japanese equity portfolio at at NAV after you know Japan had closed many hours before, and then the U.S. market, let's say, was down, but you could get out at a stale Japanese NAV right. stuff like that. So that was one. I think the you know the customers learned that the there were many uh, fees being paid for uh, distribution access that they were unaware of, and then a huge one, of course, was in two thousand when the um, markets cratered, and so investors were down in value and then got a huge tax bill from their mutual funds because the customers that were selling were causing. The managers to liquidate, you know, stock that had right. accumulated over time gains. So I think the combination of those really lit a fire under ETFs. 
And then, you know, the, just the model of fee-based advisors is just a better model. You know, it's, um, everyone sort of agrees that, you know, uh, it, it aligns the interests with the client in a much better way. So I think those have been the main things. So how is, just tell us about who owns Nightshares as well. What, what kind of, you know, backing do you have? And then how are you marketing uh, to financial advisors right now? And what's that like as a, you know, a firm, you know, you're only a couple years, two or three years old here, launched in 2021. Yeah. So the ownership of the company is, um, we raised some money from a, a family office. Um, I was working at a company called Alpha Trey. That's our sister company and they own a good chunk of us and then employees own a good chunk as well. And so, um, you know, we're independent. Um, we're out there marketing. There's seven of us who are out in Northern California as our home base, but we have some salespeople around the country. And um, we're having great conversations with advisors. They're, they're finding this really interesting. They didn't know about it. You know, we're, we're happy to educate. And the way they're using it is really, it's sort of two different ways. For those that, you know, like the concept and want a more defensive sort of risk-adjusted trade, they treat it kind of like an alternative um, because it's something that when, you're, when you sit out the day, you know, you decrease your correlations, you have a diversified approach to getting your alpha and you reduce volatility. So that's one way. And then other advisors are using the NSPL uh, really as a straight equity substitute. It uh, has a little bit more volatility because it's leveraged. So, it, so buy and hold has about a 23 volatility and we have about a, buy and hold has about a 19 and we have 23, including our use of leverage, which isn't that big a jump higher. And what's interesting is because the night is uh, a lower volatility period and we're just targeting that low volatility period, your, your volatility doesn't jump that high. And just to put that in context, like the QQQ has like a 22 volatility. So it's a little, just a little harder. Um, so yeah, so really, you know, there's a risk adjusted trade and then there's an equity substitution trade. And that's what we're seeing. Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at Schwab Asset Management dot com backslash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. What just one more question and I'll kick it back to Jeff. What kind of I'm just kind of interested right now, kind of, you know, the pandemic is settling down and everything. How are, and you're a young firm, are you going out there? Are you traveling and knocking on doors? Or or are you uh, doing Zoom calls with advisors? How are you getting out in front of, uh, are you going to conferences and the like? How, how are you, how has that whole process been like for you? It's a little bit of everything. Um, we are traveling. Um, we are going to conferences. And, um, but obviously the world has changed and many customers have a preference for Zoom calls. So we're doing plenty of right. those. You know, everything's a little bit more fluid than it used to be uh, on, that, on that score. And yeah, that's how we're approaching it. Yeah, because it just seems to me there's not, you know, a lot of financial advisors at the big firms, like the wirehouses and the like, they're not these branch. There's a lot of empty real estate out there, you know. So how do you get in front of you know 
a dozen or two dozen financial advisors at a time. Yeah. Um, other than the conferences, uh, we do webcasts and that's been, uh, effective. Um, and, uh, you know, and we talk to people like you, which, which really helps our case. Thanks, Jeff. Back to you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, the one thing, a good point, Bruce, on the getting in front of advisors, obviously these funds are, are too new for most advisors. I'm sure you know that, right, Bruce? Yeah, of course. That they're, yeah. they're, well, I meant Bruce Levine, but <laughs> sorry. I know you know what Bruce Kelly, uh, but and Bruce Levine, you also know that the financial advisors they're they're looking at funds with three to five year track records. And uh, back testing aside, uh, this is going to have to do a lot, and you guys are going to have to kind of battle for a few years just to hang in there before you get to that mark, right? Yeah, um, you know, launching a new company is not for the faint of heart, no, no doubt about that, and. You know, but we we feel like this is a big idea that's never been done before. It's an important idea, and so um, you know we we have staying power and we have the desire to to play it out. And you know, the world of ETFs has changed. Um, it it is a little harder to get shelf space than it once was because there's so many products and there's so many more gatekeepers. But having said that, there's there's also um, been a a refreshing. Uh, embracing by advisors of new alternative strategies. I think they saw in 2022, there was a real payoff from doing things other than just you know, straight, uh, low cost, pure cap weighted data. And so, so I think that, um, that is a, a good development for us. Well, we, we've kind of, we talked about the ticker symbols and so forth, but let's specifically identify these funds. The you have you got the Nightshares 500 ETF NSPY, and that is in and out of the S and P 500. Correct. Correct. The fund sits in cash and treasuries all the time, and you know right now we're getting like a three and a half to four percent yield on that cash. And then at night, four o'clock Eastern, we buy the futures. Um, either the S&P 500 futures in the case of NSPY or the Russell 2 futures in the case of NIWM. And then we just sell them out uh, first thing in the morning, very close to 9.30 the next day. So the funds toggle back and forth between full investment overnight and, and a cash-like return during the day. Okay. And then the third fund, what's the, the full name and ticker of that again? Yeah. So that's called the Nightshares 1.5x... Um, or 1.5x, 1x, and and it um, it has a long position in the S and P 500, and we actually we utilize the iShares uh, S and P 500 as part of the long position there, IVV, which is three basis points, and we we also have some cash in, on hand and futures uh, as the core position, and and we need that excess cash on hand to do the extra 50 percent of futures at night and the extra 50% works just like I described for an SPY. Okay. Um, as you already mentioned, the, the ETF space is nothing if not creative. Uh, I saw just today the those those uh, ETFs launched that are going uh, long and inverse anything that Jim Cramer recommends, <laughs> which is you know, hilarious and I cannot wait to see the performance on that. There's a whole subculture out there, but you guys right now are the only ones hanging around and operating at night. So what's what's next for for Nightshares? I mean, it seems like there was there would be a lot of opportunities here to get really creative. Yeah, there really are. Um, what we brought out to start with really um, 
the most simplistic form of nightshares. Um, but there are other things we're looking at, more active approaches. Um, the night effect itself is pervasive historically, you know, at the single stock level, at concentrated sector levels, and there are some that are more attractive than others. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we look for deeper dives in that. Aside from having a lot of fun with your name, it seems like you ought to have like Barry White doing commercials for you or the, a Barry White voice or something. Anyway, it's a, it's a night shares. Bob Seger um, in his famous... Um, oh, Night Moves, yeah. In, in Night Moves, there's a, line, there's a line in it that says, ain't it funny how the night moves? Just feels like you ain't got that much to lose. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce Levine, for uh, for enlightening us on the night shares. Uh, really good stuff. I can't wait to you know follow this along and see where it goes. And uh, it seems like uh, you know the right place to be is is maybe out of the market during the day, according to your data. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Launching every Monday. That was another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guest this week, Bruce Levine of Night Shares. Also thank our producer, Angelica Hester, and our sponsor this week, Schwab Asset Management. You can find the podcast, of course, at investmentnews.com. You can also get it at Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Please follow us on Spotify. Reach out to Jeff via Twitter, uh, via his handle on Twitter. Uh, He is at Benji Ryder. Me, I'm at BD News Guy. Stay tuned. We'll be talking to you next week.